Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Out of the gates and ready to go. OutKick 360 is back. We are underway from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Chad Withrow to my left. I'm Jonathan Hutton. Paul Kuharski will join us in about 20 minutes. He's on a phone call right now regarding a Pro Football Hall of Fame vote. He'll tell us about his conversation in uh, a few minutes. A big show plan, plenty of topics, college football discussion, SEC quarterback discussion today. The top 25 coaches poll through the Associated Press has been released. Yes, there was some idiot coach who has voted for a program number one in the country that has no business being number one in the preseason. We'll tell you about that. Uh, plus, NFL discussion, plenty of headlines and roster battles throughout as the preseason will officially be underway with games starting on Thursday. Chad, what's up? Every time I see uh, this just blown outlier of a coach or media member that votes for someone number one that shouldn't be, I always think, is it the coach of that school or is it a coach of a rival school trying to put some unfounded expectations on the rival coach? by voting them higher than they should be. That's that's where my mind immediately goes. Um, I'm ready for a big show today, Hutton. There's plenty to dissect from over the weekend. Had uh, my next season's first softball practice nice. this past weekend also. The heat was unbearable. Uh, the humidity was tough, but we made through. We had multiple water breaks, so I kept all the girls safe for the softball team, and we made it through our first practice, which that's what matters. Mandating the water breaks. Yes, well, we have one coach that, like, there's no amount of time that is a good enough time to practice in terms of he would be out there for four hours. He loves it, eating up with it. Like, every time we have practice, man, that practice went fast. I feel like we could have got to a lot more. And in my mind is more, it's 98 degrees and humid, and yeah. these girls are seven and eight, and I can tell when they're dragging an hour and 15 minutes into practice. I try to keep those practices a tight hour 15. And I, we get an hour and a half window. I try to be wrapping up around an hour and 20 to be breaking and, and sending them on their way. My assistant coach, and I love him, and he's great, he'd go for three hours if we could. It'd be like two-a-days in camp back in the day. We'd be like the Junction boys, but it'd be the Junction girls with, uh, with Bear Bryant if, we, if he had his so, way. So maybe uh, we'll have a listener or two who can tweet us or a viewer who can tweet us. I'll kick 360 or join Chad in the chat. Um, but, you know... My my dad's era of two a days, you know, you get salt pills during water breaks, right? You'd get salt tablets if they even gave you a water break. You know, water was weakness. Were there a lot of like heat stroke victims at practice in that? I don't hear of any of that. I, I always and, think about Junction Boys, which yeah. I referenced, and I and there and was Johnny the guy, Majors was a part of that. Well, the guy he didn't die, but remember he was hospitalized. One of the yeah, players, but, but you would think. It, I mean, you're referencing one guy. Johnny Majors was not a part of that. Gene Stallings was a part of that. He well, was he one of the players. He played for Bear Bryant, though. 
Um, he, he went down and was recruited by Bear Bryant. Yeah, but Johnny Majors did not play for Bear Bryant. Right, right. Yeah, Gene Stallings was on that A&M team. That is Junction he, yes, Boys. Yes, it's an yes. early – it was a young head coach, Bear Bryant, coaching Gene Stallings. But one example in an era where it was the norm to just practice through it and you were, uh, you were weak if you dropped out. I don't hear of the, you know, back in my day, we had five players who were rushed, rushed to the hospital. Like, I, you hear about it more now than you do then. Well, and I see, like, uh, here's a good, uh, I'll and tie I, I'm, I'm saying, I'll like, tie it's, this it's in. kind of surprising that we don't hear yeah, more about it from there. I'll tie this into present day. And you're right. Like, the, the line of thinking of you were a hard ass as a coach if you did not allow your team to drink water. That's not an ancient ideology. This was happening in the 90s. I mean, this is yeah. not something that was the 1950s and 60s, and that was it. Coaches started to wise up because the moment a kid gets seriously hurt or sick or, you, you know, God forbid someone dies, that'll change everyone's mind well, on the, it. the coach was also needing a little water. Yeah, the coach probably <laughs> needs a break too. But I'm sure they, they started to see, hey, the team's performance is better when they're hydrated. So maybe we should give them some right. water or Gatorade breaks so they can hydrate. I'm coaching these seven and eight-year-old girls, and my problem on Saturday was it was my own daughter who was complaining the most about the heat and was dragging around the field the whole time. And even though we gave them multiple water breaks, I was probably being a little rough on my own daughter because I didn't hear the other girls complaining as much as her. So my line, I felt like Bear Bryant coming back to her. My line was, yeah, we're all hot. Deal with it. Everybody out here is hot. You're the only one who keeps talking about it. Everyone else is hot. Do you see dad sweating through this shirt as I pitch to you girls over and over? I'm not taking one water break. You can deal <laughs> with it. All these other players are dealing with it, so get over it. Um, that was kind of my mentality on Saturday, while also acknowledging that hydration is key, and you must hydrate in the heat. So we, yesterday, I went down to the Music City Grand Prix, the Grand Prix uh, here in Nashville. How many people pronounced it Grand versus Only Grand? the broadcasters. Only the broadcasters okay. were saying Grand Prix. Everyone else was Grand Prix, and I respect you for it because, um, I don't know, the... the the, the Grand Prix, uh, if you're over, you know, in Europe, to me, that fits the mold better than the, the National Grand Prix. It's the difference between the Tour de France or the Tour de France. Yeah, the France. It's the, it's the you could go right down the line on who's going to say France and who's going to say France. The same goes for Grand versus Grand. Congratulations to Scott Dixon. Our guy. Who wins the Music City Grand Prix after uh, joining us in studio last Thursday. Fantastic interview. Not only did he win the Grand Prix, his crew, after we discussed this on Thursday, went down to First Avenue and they won the Pit Stop Challenge or whatever they call it as well. So that was $10,000 to his crew for winning that. They won the weekend. And he, he, his, his car was dinged up and you know banged up some. I, th I think he had some spare parts that they, they put on uh, to the car after uh, uh, having not a crash, but maybe an incident on the course early. Um, but the same goes for last year. A lot of cautions, uh, several wrecks, and even though you're involved in it early, if you're involved in one of those wrecks early, you can still come back and win the race, and that's what Dixon did. He's now second all-time in wins, passing Andretti, and uh, second only to A.J. Foyt, uh, and he is now, who had 67. Um, Scott now has 53 career wins, and, and he is now eight points off the lead um, behind Will Power. So uh, a great event overall. They still need to tidy up some things. I don't know if it's possible to make part of these turns 
where they're wrecking all the time, actually wider, based on just the layout of the city itself. But beyond that, it's a, it's a fantastic event. I didn't go last year. I made myself go this year, and I'm glad I did. It was, uh, it was a lot of fun. Rain delayed, but the rain helped. Chad mentioning the heat uh, spurred the, the idea here. It, it cooled off. It was in the 70s, walking across the pedestrian bridge downtown over towards Nissan Stadium where they have the, the start-finish line. Well done, and um, I'm, I'm all here for it, for this being an annual event in the city. Yeah, I had some family things that prevented me from going over the weekend. Uh, was happy I didn't go Saturday with all the big delays and weather that happened. Watching this event on television, it's a beautiful event to watch on TV with the drone shots, with overheads of Nashville. When they get the racing going across the bridge, it looks great. I'd love to see it one time without nine cautions over only 80 laps. I mean, that's a big problem for this race moving forward. I thought in watching last, and I was actually there live a year ago and went back and watched the recording. I watched this one start to finish on television. And my takeaway was I thought the racing element was better this go around, but the nine cautions are a problem. They were given no favors in terms of lightning delays. Um, NBC, I thought it was going to work out perfectly because NBC had the broadcast and the uh, Women's British Open went into a playoff. And they had like six or seven, they played the same hole over and over and over again in the playoff. And I'm thinking, oh, this is going to delay nicely right into the start, the delayed start of the Music City Grand Prix. And then it doesn't. And the, well, it does start on NBC, but quickly goes to CNBC. So not having the network audience, because people are going to point uh, to television ratings. They did a year ago. It was one of the most watched IndyCar events of the year. That helps Nashville. That helps this event. Yeah. People not having on NBC to watch just for a short stretch because it started, I think, an hour and 50 minutes later than expected. That's not going to help anything. The cautions don't help. But even with that, I thought the actual racing was better. And congrats to our guy, Scott Dixon. Hutton, I think this guarantees we get Scott Dixon in studio every year there's a Music City Grand Prix since he won after appearing on our show this year. I know. Yeah. And he gets, you know, he mentioned his schedule, his days off. He, he doesn't take lightly, so here's to a great day off for, for Scott Dixon getting that win. Um, you know, the other thing that I found just amazing is not only do you have media members around the pits in the paddock area, but the amount of fans. I mean, it's just a free-for-all. The, the actual garages are blocked off some, but it's just, you know, a little rope. I mean, we had more, we had more rope and, and tape around us for the 6th and P Grand Prix. Last, last Friday than these drivers do, than these, these cars do, leading up to the actual race. And then, you know, as they're carted out, you know, they're pulled out, almost like you have a tugboat. They're, you have this cart that pulls out these cars to the start-finish line. And, I mean, they're, they're, there's kids walking across the area where they're pulling these cars out. Like, there's no, there's no, it's not like the Masters where you, you rope this thing off and you have to wait for everybody to pass before you're allowed to go with the patrons. It's just a free-for-all. I was amazed at how loose everything is Did you like the that pits. or not like no, it? No, it was cool. Because um, you get to get right up close and personal with everything. Yeah, it, it's cool. But at the same time, like, I would... It, like, I'm thinking in my mind, like, I would hate to be the drivers just trying to... Because they're just sitting in the car, but they don't actually have the engine running. They're being pulled out. And yet they're waiting at, like, a crosswalk for the average fans to just walk by and go to their seats or whatever. And there's no, there's no announcement to it. It's just, 
okay, guys, we're going to come through and we're going to take this left and we're waiting on these guys to move out of the way. And you just sit there and wait. It's frustrating for me to sit there and watch on their behalf. It amazes me when you see the sports where the participants of the sport truly get it in terms of media interaction and fan interaction because it's just part of the gig that you're around people all the time and you interact and you're friendly with everyone. But also giving media your time. This is a great example. We had two great guests in studio last week and they, they were terrific as, as interviews. But also in the buildup to the race during the lightning delay, I'm watching the NBC Sports coverage, which had moved to CNBC. They've got four or five drivers that just go on Zoom, you know, from their trailer or wherever that are happy to give their time to the broadcast. The moment someone crashes and is out, you know, the Joseph yeah. Newgarden during the race is giving an interview on NBC Sports, you know, right away. NASCAR, obviously, with the sponsorship element and everything else, they get it. And racing in general is the same way. They get it. They all have sponsors. They know how to appease the sponsorship. They know how to appease media partners. It still, though, always surprises me when I see it in action because we see less and less of that in some of the more mainstream sports in America. NFL, you know, is a big one. But the access you get with that, Hutton, you're talking about walking around the pit and there's no real separation from driver and pit crew to fans to VIP to everyone else. Yeah, if you, if you I got a, the same sense just watching on television. If you had a ticket to like the 10 grandstand, you had you had all access to the pits. You just go up there and watch your favorite you know, pit crew get ready as you wait on the driver to come jump in the car. And they you know, they're wearing shorts and a t-shirt or shorts and a polo shirt waiting on the rain delay. And they stay, they do not get into that jumpsuit until the very last minute. That's smart. To, just to stay cool. You well, know? When we talked to Will Power last week, we asked him, hey, what's your schedule like? What are you doing next? And remember his response was, I'm, gonna, I'm about to go uh, acclimate myself to this heat and humidity and go for a long run in the city. That was part of the steps on a, on a Wednesday or Thursday was to go for a run and get used to the heat. So you get used to it, still doesn't mean you're rushing to it by putting that that jumpsuit on. So so here's here's what's coming up with the Music City Grand Prix, um, and this ties into the, just the business of sports here. So um, it's originally it was a three year contract with the city, and they've just had their second race. So in my mind, I'm, yesterday I was with Davey Hudson, and we were chatting about the access that uh, they they were great with last week, and I said, look, I. In thinking about it, it's probably because they're putting on a big PR push with the city to show further access to the drivers, and not just drivers, but the drivers, the best drivers in their series, are made full available, not just via Zoom, but they'll, they'll bring them to the studio right on time. Um, and not just us, but literally anyone who asks. They're, they're trying to get that, that second contract before they race the final time on the current deal. But keep this in mind. This is what makes it very difficult moving forward. There's a new stadium that's going to be built downtown. And the footprint of that new stadium will be sitting on the the paddock, on the start-finish line. All of that will be under construction. So I'm very curious to see if they're able to move this course and make it more of a a downtown-type course in the meantime or... Do they have to put things on hold while they wait on the new dome to be built and the old stadium will be standing there 
while the new dome is being built downtown. And there's no official word on when ground when, when they'll break ground on the new dome. My guess is through who I've talked to, that's going to happen around the start of the NFL's regular season. We will have a, a, a clear path towards what this new facility will look like in Nashville. But that also takes away a massive footprint of what this race is. And it's mainly on that side of the river. If you've been to downtown Nashville, they cross the bridge, which is a huge point of and, and visual for the, the TV viewing audience. Chad, I, I mean, if you're looking long-term, the long-term contract is probably coming back after the stadium is built because you're not going to want to sign up for another three years with the idea that your track's going to be under construction, not for your event, but for something else. Yeah, and I'm trying to think of even, you know, to get, because the way the track runs, you almost get that oval feeling at the start of it and the end of it around the parking lot next to the stadium, then back through, and then you just get that little nook and cranny across the river and then coming back on the other side. Is there a place where you can replicate that in another part of downtown and have the space to put up grandstands and house people and do all the things you're going to do? I don't know. Well, you may be able to just I take it to the Super Speedway, which is where they used to have the Indy race yeah. to begin with. Do you not have it? But, and I'm talking about trying to form a road race out of downtown right. Nashville. Yeah, I, I don't know if there's another place that would make sense where you could do all those things and put the grandstands up and do what you need to do. It's perfect right now from a layout perspective for fans and for the event, clearly with all the cautions. And I thought this year was different. I thought last year the feeling out process of the race led to a lot of the wrecks and the cautions. I thought this year it seemed the drivers got more confident with the track as it went along, and that led to them pushing it a little more and then more but cautions the, the, and wrecks. But the wrecks are still happening in yeah. that one, one or two turns where they're going and gunning for it and others are hitting the brakes. Right. So it'll be interesting to see what happens when that construction starts to take place, whenever it does. The USA Today Top 25 preseason coaches poll is out. We'll tell you who received number one overall votes. The number one overall team is no surprise, but there's a team that was voted number one that has no business being at at the top of the country. And we'll, we'll take a look at the top 10 specifically as we roll through this and discuss preseason expectations versus where we think the expectation should be for a lot of these programs. NFL news and notes as well, including a couple of running backs who may be on the trading block. That's next on Outkick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Crew is all here for Outkick 360 across the Outkick num- uh, network. Happy Monday to you from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. We're going to make the afternoon go by faster for you. You can join us on social media by following Outkick 360 on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, the whole gambit. PK is back off the phone uh, for a Pro Football Hall of Fame possibility. Man. 
I, uh, yeah, appreciate the flexibility. Talked to, uh, briefly to Sean McManus, head of CBS Sports, whose father is Jim McKay. I don't know if we knew that. And uh, so... I did not know that. He's connected to Rune Arledge uh, because Rune Arledge was head of ABC Sports and ABC News um, and uh, connected to him through Jim McKay, who was on... Olympics that Rune Arledge was in charge of, but I, I'm talking about Rune Arledge in front of the coach and contributor committee coming up on uh, August 23rd in the meeting that will shave 12 candidates down to one that then goes in front of the um, primary uh, full selection committee in January. And so uh, I'm, I'm getting some big hitter executives, but, uh, and most of them are managing to get outside of show hours, but the time I was given was two o'clock today and uh, um, for five minutes. So um, I had to take it. So I appreciate your flexibility. Nepotism. One of your favorite things, Paul, you got to learn about that today with Rune Arlish. I didn't know that he was a product yeah. of nepotism until now. No, Rune wasn't. Um, Jim McKay. Who's, who's son. So Sean, Sean McManus. McManus, his dad is Jim McKay. Yeah. There you go. That's what I meant. Yeah. Not Rune Arledge, sorry. Sean McManus, <laughs> nepotism. I don't want to accuse the wrong person. Well, I mean, it's it, probably it was a broadcaster. Too, well, it's a broadcaster Look, I, to I an executive. I say that joking because if yeah. Jim McKay was my dad, I'd take whatever the hell job someone was willing to give me. So that I have no problem with that part of it when it comes to him. And not completely game. parallel tracks by any means. I would also take his last name, or is that not a real last name? Yeah, I don't know what uh, what went on there. So, so um, uh, Nicholas Cage is Francis Ford Coppola's nephew. Yeah, and refused to take his name. Refused to take it because he said he did not want to be accused of taking any shortcuts and didn't want the name attached to him, Mark, even though his actual name is Nicholas Coppola. And his brother Mark Coppola was a radio disc jockey in New York who Howard Stern was at his station and wrote him constantly for not making it bigger being Francis Ford's uh, well, son. It's like, uh, it's like Charlie Sheen and, and Estevez. Emilio Estevez. Yeah. Emilio kept the name. No, Charlie kept the name. No, I think that Charlie... Cha I think that the actual name is Estevez and Martin changed it. And that's his fake name. Yeah. And Charlie but used... But you're not getting anywhere because Charlie of the name Charlie used the, sta the, the stage <laughs> name, I believe, is what it is. Yeah, but you're not walking into auditions and getting parts because of Estevez. No, no. But I, I laugh at that because I'm also thinking it's not that hard to figure it out. If someone asks you, are you saying, no, 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 that is not my father. I am not related <laughs> to that Martin Sheen. I have no apocalypse what? But I never a, saw that film. It's a little easier if you just say Sheen. I thought then his there's, work was there's, bad. there's no problem well, with the Well, then people would, yes, they, it would register. But I'm saying they're still that person's kid or relative. Yeah, for sure. So they go into an audition. It's not like the person that's the, you know, testing them on screen doesn't know Emilio Estevez is Martin Sheen's son. I guess is my point. Charlie had the better acting career up until he went nuts. Yes, correct. What happened? It, it, uh, I know Charlie Sheen like was HIV positive or something, but we Drinking haven't Tiger's have we heard, blood, have we heard from him since. Uh, he's alive. We haven't had a death announcement yet. I mean, that's positive, right? I don't, yeah. I don't know what's really going on in his film I, career. I mean, it's not like Emilio's doing anything either. I don't think he's doing a lot of work. Mighty Ducks 6. I mean, I... I, no, miss, I miss Crazy got, Charlie. That's why I'm bringing it up. Like um, I, the the interviews of Tiger's Blood, and you know, uh, he was asked if there are drugs in the house, and he, he told the interviewers like, if there hello. are drugs in the house, bring them to me now. I'll take them. I believe, uh, <laughs> yeah. There's there's no like doubt. live on the Today Show or whatever. Yeah, he uh, he he went after it for a while for for many years. 
He got fired from uh, the Disney Plus Mighty Duck show, Emilio Estevez, I believe because he wouldn't get vaccinated. And uh, they've replaced him with a guy we interviewed <laughs> at the Super with Bowl. Goldberg. Uh, all right, here it is. I, I found a story. Emilio Estevez speaks to Deadline about his departure. Uh, reveals long-haul COVID is what he is saying. So maybe he got sick. But anyways, guy we interviewed at the Super Bowl, Josh Dumel, has replaced him uh, on Mighty Ducks Game Changers. A show sure, that, that'll be the hit. A, a show but how that bad was it that this I, guy I had to do th- the third Mighty Ducks movie and then it's go not a to... Movie. I know, then go to a series of his movie... 20 years later, I mean, that's pretty, you know, usually he, you graduate past these things. Well, you know, like you can, a lot of times someone will get back into a character and it's just very similar. Like you don't really notice that they that they didn't miss a beat right. with the character. I could notice that Emilio hasn't worked in a while. Like <laughs> you go practice, and watch the show. Creaky. No, it's just like, yeah, this something's off. This is not just your typical actor playing a role. Like It seems different. I mean, he's much older. Also, but it, he doesn't seem like he's as good of an actor anymore. I'm ready for the next generations of Sheens and Estevez's. I'm sure Charlie's got some kids out there. Oh, his uh, daughter's on uh, OnlyFans. Of course she is. That's Chad. Yeah, <laughs> you maybe should offer some context as to how you know Denise that. Denise Richards. Rather than you were flipping um, no, through. No, because there was a big controversy because Denise Richards is also now decided to go on OnlyFans because Charlie didn't want the daughter on OnlyFans Denise thought Charlie was being closed-minded about her OnlyFans income. So Denise decided, the mom decided to start an OnlyFans account well, to see what all the so hubbub was about. Desperate for work. And now she's on OnlyFans, And that daughter's too. one of five children, I understand. Charlie Sheen is currently playing himself in the TV series Ramble On, which is currently in post-production. And if you look up the cast, it's just like, um, it's like his reality show met, met up with Entourage because they have Emmanuel Cricky. Oh, um, she's in this. Jamie Lynn Sig- Singler well, Sigler is in this. That's as well. a Meadow Soprano. Yeah, um, and I believe she was also in a, she was also in Entourage, I believe, or at least an episode. Yeah, she uh, dated Turtle. Kevin, Kevin Conley is in this. Kevin Dillon is in this. Um, so is it? What's his connection to Entourage? I mean, is it just an Entourage sequel? No, I mean, I uh, I accept. Yeah, you, you don't have uh, the main guy in here to make it the sequel. Your friend. Yes. Um, you met at a concert. Adrian Grenier. Grenier, yes. We I met him at the Ryman. He was he's like the manager or the financier of this band called the Skins. <laughs> were they good? They were really good. And they opened up, I forgot who they opened up for, but they were selling t-shirts upstairs at the Ryman and he was up there like Marching. selling their merch. That's awesome. And uh, during the show. So you go up and you, you know, want to grab a drink or whatever and you look over there and there he is, standing over there. So I went over there and chatted with him. He was all about doing the show, and then, you know, never came on the show. So yeah. that's oh, right. So happens. I found the story about Adrian Grenier. I started, uh, moving on to Emilio like Estevez now. From Adrian Grenier to Emilio Estevez. Estevez, through his reps, declined to provide assurances to Disney that he would comply with the show's new policy requiring COVID vaccinations. The report also acknowledged that creative differences may have played a role in his exit. So apparently, Milo did, they didn't like where they were moving the Gordon Bombay character maybe in season two. But I think the underlying statement is um, that he did not comply. Creative differences on the hockey coach. So there you go. Um, the AP Top 25 Coaches Poll has been released. Number one overall, no surprise, the Alabama Crimson Tide. 
followed by Ohio State, Georgia, and Clemson. Those are your top four. You could put those in literally any order, any year, and no one's going to have a problem with it. The rest of the uh, the top ten, Notre Dame at five, which is interesting. Michigan at six, Texas A&M seven, Utah, Oklahoma, and Baylor round out the top ten. Oklahoma State, Oregon, and NC State are also there, uh, right behind, just outside the the top ten. Uh, beyond that, Michigan State and USC are your top 15 schools. A few things that jump out to me right away with this top 25. Marcus Freeman in his first full season at number five. That's a lot of expectation on the new head coach uh, with Notre Dame. Michigan right back in the top 10 at number six. Cade McNamara is back for Jim Harbaugh. That's a good sign for Harbaugh, who, if you remember, took the pay cut and then came back in a prove-it year and beat Ohio State and won the Big Ten, and he's right back in the top 10. Are we a believer that A&M's a top 10 team? Yes, they beat Alabama. Yes, they had a great recruiting class. That recruiting class, though, is just a freshman class this season. There's a lot of uncertainty at quarterback with the Aggies. Texas A&M fell on their face quite a bit last year also and lost to teams they should not have lost to. So I think that may be a little bit high for Texas A&M right now. Eventually, they're going to be there. Maybe next year, I think this is a year too early for A&M to be in the top 10. Utah opens the season in Gainesville against Florida. Kentucky in week two, Kentucky at 21, goes to Gainesville in week two. Big test on the road for two top 25 teams in the first couple of weeks. And then you go Big 12, Big 12, Big 12. Oklahoma, Baylor, Oklahoma State at 9, 10, 11. uh, The the first thing to me is the glaring... uh, omission of any respect for Cincinnati coming off of their college football playoff run. Zero respect where they where the coaches have them polled, which is what, 21st? 22. The font is so small here, 22. Um, so uh, 22 overall after finishing the top four a year ago. Um, beyond that, I, I this is why I hate polling in general the anonymous polls, you should have a vote and everyone should know who you voted for because someone voted Texas number one overall in the country based on... Uh, They're excited about the, Arch next year. ...the information given here. Someone gave Texas a number one overall vote. Meanwhile, Alabama has 54 to Ohio State's five. There's a huge gap between number one and number two of the consensus voters for the AP uh, coaches poll here. And then some coach put Texas number one. Clearly joking around, but again, like... Uh, This will be used to set the frame and the mindset of how week one results end up, week two. And like it or not, this is they'll never admit it, but this is a list that the committee will look at for the college football playoff. It's the start of everything. So I don't, um, you know, I just don't agree with anyone taking this as just some flippant poll for how it's used. Everyone will, will take a look at this, and I realize Texas is down the list. They're 18th overall. But someone voted them number one so that another school, in my mind, doesn't get their number one overall vote that's very deserving of it. Does NC State have a great quarterback that I'm not thinking of? Because outside of Clemson on October 1st, if they're the 15th best team in the country starting out. 13th. 13th. Sorry, again, the small font. And I got the worst eyes of all of us. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm looking at their schedule, and I'm thinking, well, if they're 13th, they they got a pretty easy run here. Well, here's the thing about, you know, the Hutton, you had mentioned someone voting Texas number one. 
replacing someone who is deserving. Um, Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, Oklahoma, Clemson, based on their college football playoff track record, are deserving to be in the top five. Yeah. Um, but I just don't – every preseason – there's no one deserving. It's a preseason poll. No one's done anything yet in 2022. It's a guess. I mean, Nick Saban saying last year was a rebuilding year when they finished second, you know, and, and lost the national championship game. So, again, I, I can't – using the words deserving, I'm not going to say anyone in the top 25 is deserving because they haven't done anything. But what it tells us is a lot about perception. And here's what strikes me. Arkansas 23, Ole Miss 24, those are two programs – that have had a complete makeover from the perception department. Because I don't see either one being in the top 25. Maybe Arkansas. Ole Miss, that's a big pat on the back to Lane Kiffin, saying you're going to replace 22 of 24 starters and just do a flip in the transfer portal, and it's going to work. And you're back in the top 25. May very well happen. They had a great transfer portal haul. But my point is, Kentucky at 21, that shows you great respect from coaches with the perception of the Kentucky program and how they've risen. Arkansas 23, great respect for Sam Pittman. Ole Miss at 24, I think coaches probably hate Lane Kiffin, but they respect his coaching ability. And there he is at 24 with almost a completely new roster. Pittsburgh, you lose the only first-round pick in the NFL draft at quarterback, and now you're bringing in a transfer from USC. Keaton Slovis, and you're right there at number 16. It's not the Alabama, Ohio State's, Georgia's, Clemson, Michigan, Ohio, you know, go down the list, Oklahoma. It's not those schools that surprise me about a preseason top 25 poll. It's NC State at 13. It's Kentucky all the way up at 21. That's what jumps out to me because that's where you're winning the battle with other coaches of perception of your program. Um, Iowa, BYU, Tennessee, I think those are the first three teams outside the top 25 that were receiving votes. Arkansas and Cincinnati play in week one. Here's an example of that. One of those two will be out of the top 25 after, after week one when they lose. And they'll be so back one in of those teams, after nine weeks. So and this is where you get, you know, this is where you really, it's not deserving. Tennessee's going to blow out Ball State 58-10, to 10, and they may be 25th in week two going into a game at Pitt because two of the top 25 lost in week one. Doesn't mean they deserved it. Doesn't mean that's the way it should be. If Arkansas or Cincinnati loses to the other one, there's no shame in that. They played a very tough opener in week one, especially for Cincy, who goes to Fayetteville. But they're going to drop out of the top 25. So I love these polls because it gets us talking about something that we can see on paper now. But I don't know that anyone is deserving outside of the programs we mentioned that's you can pencil into the playoff every year. Well, the, at the uh, you know the, the where they have NC State, I think shows that they're not really going to sneak up on anybody from a coach's perspective. They're returning seventeen starters. They're they have the chance to go win ten games in the season for just the second time in the school's history, um, for the ACC. So if you if if you believe Clemson is not going to come back to the reality of what Clemson has been over the last decade, that they're closer to what they were last year than what they were two years ago, then you're probably higher on NC State and Dave Doran, who's going into year number 10, and you're leaning that way a bit. But um, based on where, they're, where the coaches have them, that's a ton of respect for a veteran team 
Um, and meanwhile, Ole Miss, while they're replacing a ton of talent, they crushed it in the transfer portal. And I think a lot of the coaches that are voting for Ole Miss in this poll in whatever way maybe lost a player to, to Lane Kiffin. And they know the talent that Lane Kiffin has been able to put together over the offseason despite his criticism of NIL. So programs to root for if you are in one of the conferences that are getting left behind right now. And I'm talking about ACC, Big 12, Pac-12, but specifically because Clemson's always going to be a player, Pac-12, Big 12. Utah, you are rooting like hell for Utah if you're in the Pac-12 to get a college football playoff spot. Well, Oregon and, and, but let's start, we'll start with Utah. is another U- one. Utah is extremely talented. Extremely talented team. Unanimous pick in their conference to win it this year. So, um, I don't overlook Utah and going on the road. And if losing one game, they got a great shot at making the playoff, even if it's yeah. just one, one loss. Well, yeah, because it's early. If they're losing early to Florida, for instance. Well, here's that. that's where I'm going to throw a wrinkle in this. I think their chances may be over if they lose at Florida. There's no. If Florida is a mid-pack SEC team, and they lose in week one, that is going to damage their chances. It, it, doesn't, got another it, it loss doesn't, for them though. Later? It doesn't, though. Based on the way last year ended, where everyone's looking for excuses at the very end of the year not to put Cincinnati in, they had no choice but to put Cincinnati in based on what was going on behind them with late-season losses. So if Utah's there and they're going on this tear that they're very... Yeah, they, they would have won 11 straight games in that scenario, and... a. It's a Pac-12 championship game. So only an unbeaten Cincy, you know, would trump that. Texas, uh, Utah, Oregon, Baylor, Oklahoma State. You do not care about USC, Oklahoma, Texas. No. Any of these schools leaving that are in the top 25, you are rooting against them. You want them to fail. You want to get a team in the, in the playoff. That's going to help your television contract negotiations yes. that are coming up if that happens. There's real money at stake. This is not just <laughs> patty cake. You know, hey, let's hope we have a top 15, top 20 finish this year. You badly need one of those teams to get in the college football playoffs. So, It'd be great. Yeah, you want to beat them, but every other week, if you're in their conference, you're, you're, that, that's your top team. First five out. Let's treat this like the bracket. <laughs> first five, Also receiving votes. First five out. First team out was Iowa. Penn State. Tennessee. BYU, and LSU. Those are your first five teams out of the AP coaches. LSU ball. makes sense. I mean, everybody knows that there's there's talent and stuff to be done there, but there's so much unknown in terms of well, quarterbacks the turnover for LSU. And, and sorting through stuff. Yeah, they've so got four quarterbacks they're choosing from right it now. It makes sense that people would be thinking about them but not ready to go. But, I mean, it also, I mean, there, there are those around the program and around Brian Kelly that believe Brian Kelly just inherited a more talented team at LSU despite them being down. And no, then he had. I'm trying to think of a program that's gone Seven? through the, the ups and downs roller coaster style the way LSU has over the last three years from winning the national championship to bottoming out, firing their coach, and having really no, nothing to show for it except for Brian Kelly coming in and now rotating four quarterbacks in camp. And that's just, ba- that's just football. Think about the basketball program, sure. the roller coaster yeah. they've been on with. Winning a ton of games, NCAA tournament success with impending doom with Will Wade and NCAA investigation. Tennessee makes sense being out, too, if Kentucky's in because it feels like people are choosing between the two of them. Yeah, yeah I mean, and Tennessee's right there. I, I immediately look at that and think Tennessee at LSU is going to be a big swing game. 
Those are two borderline top 25 teams that play this year Here's uh, when, when the Vols go to Baton Rouge. Here, here's something interesting. Um, where it's different from the SEC media and the coaches poll, the national coaches poll, Texas A&M is viewed the same way through the eyes of the media and the coaches based on this poll. Texas A&M is the third best team based on votes in Atlanta at SEC media days in the conference behind Georgia and Alabama. And they're the seventh best team of the country, according to the preseason poll. Where they're different is with Kentucky. Kentucky's what, in the 20s? Yeah, 21. And, and Kentucky was finished, uh, picked to finish second in the East by the SEC media. So there, there's, there's a, Pretty big gap. A, a gap there between the two. And you know, the, the other one would be, I, I would point to Penn State. I think the media would be higher on Penn State than where the coaches have them, which is outside the top 25 right now. If you took a straw poll nationally, I think Penn State would be a top 25 team. Do we think that that might be as easy as uh, reporters get stuff from James Franklin and coaches don't like him so much? I think it's just Penn State. They know being, the team. Yeah. I mean, being Penn State. I mean, I, I, think, I think coaches are fine with James Franklin for the, for the most part. Uh, and I think coaches respect Jimbo Fisher and what he's done over, over his career. Coming up, observations uh, from training camps over the weekend. A couple of injury notes uh, to be concerned about if you're looking for some star power, fantasy football related, or just your favorite team going into week one. We'll let you know about that. Plus, a couple of running backs who could be on the trade block. We'll give our opinion on if, they're, if they are or not and the value there. It's all coming up on OutKick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. couple of injury updates uh, from the NFL over the weekend. Now kick 360 rolls on. J.K. Dobbins, uh, running back with the Baltimore Ravens. He has been removed from the PUP list, so he's eligible. He's back at practice, and he's rolling with Baltimore. Titans will be playing in Baltimore on Thursday. They're not going to be playing Lamar Jackson or their starters, and uh, J.K. isn't going to be playing that game either, but he is back practicing. He had nine touchdowns his rookie year, and of course, He's coming off the ACL injury last year. Sammy Watkins, new receiver in Green Bay. He has been placed on the non-football injury list. So something to watch there with Aaron Rodgers' receiving core where they're relying a lot on new pieces. They have, you know, a, a couple of guys who have stuck around through these runs that they've been on in the NFC. But they have, uh, what, Watkins? Christian. and. And then they're they're rookie from North Dakota State, so it's uh, Christian Watson. Watson I think is that and Watkins. Uh, Makai Becton, he's coming off of. Uh, they went in and uh, I was on a knee scope or something uh, where he's having a second opinion on his knee, uh, MRI on his knee. So 
This comes two days after they hosted Dwayne Brown at the Jets facility. Becton is their starting right tackle. They have Lakin Tomlinson at left tackle. They have a rookie out of Louisiana, the Raging Cajuns, backing up Makai Becton right now. So he's inserted into the starting lineup while they wait to see the results of the MRI. They remain optimistic, but that could definitely affect the protection for their star quarterback. It's a do-or-die thing for Becton, who's had fatness problems, let's be honest, and uh, work ethic problems. And Dwayne Brown might not be a bad move for them, just insurance-wise. Yep. Um, Chris Godwin is back in pads for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's big. That's big because the Mike Evans is back doing some individual work, I believe, but it's very hit and miss on his availability as they're working him back into the rotation. So it's uh, having Godwin back on the franchise tag, and he's back way early, earlier than I think many thought, based on where his prognosis was this offseason. That's great news for... Um, for Tom Brady and company down Some of the speed on these ACLs for receivers is yeah. uh, seems dangerously fast. But, hey, you take it if you could get it. Robert Woods here in town uh, is, yeah, it's another good has example. been out- outstandingly fast. He looks really good. I don't think he's playing in preseason, but um, all signs are up on him. There have been no setbacks. Did you guys know or care that Hard Knocks Detroit Lions is back tomorrow night? Starts tomorrow night, yeah. I did not know until right now. That Look, it is back I, tomorrow. I, you know, I'm I'm curious, but I always uh, I, I I phase out a lot quicker than I used to on this. The Lions wanted it. They they asked for it. I, I don't think HBO wanted to go there. And Dan Not Campbell, a lot of teams Dan raised Campbell's their hand. team raised their hand and said, "We welcome you." I I welcome a team actually wanting the cameras back there. I think it'll be good. Yeah. Because they'll be open to the idea of it. Headlines when we return on Outkick 360.